Welcome to the Blondie Beauty Podcast. My name is Mackenzie Judge and I am obsessed with beauty. On my podcast, we'll talk all things beauty industry from products, launches, trends, routines, business, gossip, and so much more. So prepare to get glossed with loads of content. Now let's get into the episode. Hi, you guys. I am so excited to be back this week with another episode after a week off planning our glam giving giveaway, which I'm so excited for you guys to be entering. But this week on the podcast, we are bringing on Jesse Klein Fofana, who is the founder and CEO of LaRue PR. Hi, Jesse. Hi. How are you? Good. I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be on. Of course, I'm so excited for you to be on. Uh, Tell us a little bit about who you are and your background in beauty, which I'm so excited for you guys to hear about. And give us a little intro to LaRue PR for those who just don't know yet. For sure. So LaRue is a creative PR agency. We are based um, in uh, New Jersey, just outside of New York City. Um, We're a team of 12 and we work really heavily in beauty, but also do lifestyle and fashion PR as well. Uh, We're kind of known for being sort of a like scrappy indie agency with kind of a a creative approach to to all things PR. That's kind of a little overview on the the agency. And then me, I actually um, landed in the PR space uh, from the beauty world. So I started a cosmetics company in my 20s that I grew and sold. And then I worked on the agency side and on the brand side. I was the director of PR and marketing at uh, Essie, the Oh, yeah. No? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was and and had my own brand and, and then launched LaRue about 15 years ago. Amazing. Just tell us a little bit about your beauty startup, because I want to hear this story. Yeah. So I did not plan to start a beauty brand when I was in my 20s. I, I went to college in New York, NYU. I graduated and I was going to work at a, a magazine, which I did. And um, it was a music magazine. And while I was there, I met um a a graphic designer there. And together we started this little lip balm business. And this was uh, 20 years ago. So it was the nineties. So we started making lip balms in our kitchen in Brooklyn. She created a really cool label. We came up with a brand name. We were like mixing it in the kitchen. And because I worked in media, I knew the next step was sort of the, the getting some press, raising awareness. And so um, I had connections from working at a magazine and I started pitching product pitches and and sort of founder stories on myself and my partner. And we ended up getting coverage in like WWD and Harper's Bazaar and like Time Out New York. And we still were at this time just mixing these products in the kitchen. Um, And one of those press clips landed on the buyer's desk at Henry Bendel's um, and they placed... An order. And from there, it sort of snowballed and we got more press and more orders until we were being sold in Nordstrom and Sephora. Oh my gosh, this is like a huge success. Uh, Sort of. Uh, You know, it was a, it was a very small product line. And while that was happening, we were on the back end kind of building a brand plan for the cosmetics line, finding a lab domestically that could produce, you know, purchasing um, all the components and samples And so it turned into this like functioning small business um, 
pretty quickly. And it sort of introduced me to the world of beauty and also introduced me to the world of PR. Right. So I'm guessing you kind of like fell in love with the world of PR through this. Is that kind of how that started for you? Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I saw the power of PR and that was really appealing. And I saw that like a, a press hit on the, the product would drive sales and a press hit on myself and my partner uh, would drive awareness. And so I was like, oh, this is kind of magical. It really works. So yeah, it was definitely, um, I, I did not at the time think I would end up doing PR. I thought I was going to be like a beauty mogul. Okay, uh, yeah. That's not what happened, but uh, <laughs> but it was still a really great kind of trajectory to to the start of my career. Right. No, that's so cool. I like how it kind of like took a turn of events in an unexpected but awesome way for you. But tell me a little bit more kind of about the story of LaRue, how obviously that's like the starting point, but tell me how it's grown to now because it's been a while and you're still up and running and that's impressive, especially with all of the competitors and whatnot nowadays. There's so many PR agencies, but... I'd love to hear. Yeah, for sure. So uh, I, LaRue now, so yeah, 15 years later, we are here and better than ever. We are a team of 12. Um, and when I started, it was really just me. And then I had an assistant and, you know, I never kind of raised money. It was sort of, I, we bootstrapped, you know, to build yeah. the business. And any hiring we've done is really as the business could support it. And so uh, it's been a fairly or organic growth trajectory, which um, is wonderful. And uh, we really are a great team. So we work really heavily in beauty. Um, my whole like crew uh, is, they're all really long-term employees. We don't have a lot of turnover, which is, I think, a real point of difference in the PR landscape. Yeah, that's awesome. And I also think it means it's like kind of a nice place to work. Um, <laughs> You're like, I think I'm a nice boss. I think I'm a nice boss. I think I am a nice boss. I think because I came from the brand side, I've worked on the agency so side mm-hmm. and I worked in a time where there was no, I feel like there was no one advocating for work-life balance when I was coming up. It was like the typical devil wears Prada sort of assistant Hustle story road. when I started. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that I try and make it a point to not have that be the environment of, of my own office. So um, in the beauty world, we work with Corez, which is an amazing, love yeah, amazing. Oh, the Greek yogurt foaming cream cleanser, my forever staple. I love it. I it's love right. It. It's the best. They're amazing. And when you really like being on the inside of their brand, it makes it more amazing. They're, you know, just synonymous with with all the the things that are beautiful and amazing about Greece the founder is is basically a scientist and has a whole team of female um, formulators and engineers working for her they are entirely sustainable and natural um, and so I really felt the, the longer we've worked with them the more and more I adore them I think they're amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have a number of other beauty brands. We work with Juno, which is sort of a TikTok sensation brand. They're super popular. Their cleanser is, is really popular on TikTok. It's all over the place. We work with a company called uh, Lemieux, which is actually like a professional beauty brand that estheticians okay. at like high-end spas use. And they have like this amazing oxygenator device that I got that they sent me that I just, I, I feel like. I feel like I glow on most of my morning <laughs> meetings after applying it. Love it. Um, 
so yeah, we, we, we love the brands that we have and we really try and look at each brand holistically from a PR perspective, as well as uh, factor in the founder story, the product piece, all of it. So it's, yeah. it's a fun category in terms of PR. I love beauty. And I feel like in the last year, how do you feel like beauty PR has changed? Because obviously with beauty, uh, so many things are in person from the shopping experience to events, real-time applications, being in person and just being able to do like a master class and whatnot has all gone virtual, which I feel like everyone's adjusted so well and we've found ways to make it work. But in terms of PR, how do you feel like that game has changed for just the beauty industry? I mean, the one thing I can say with beauty in general, and I know this from being uh, on the on the brand side, having my own brand so many years ago, and then working on the PR side for other brands is like, people are always buying product. Like even in a pandemic, you know, that is the one category where sales don't really go flat. And yes, you have to be innovative and still market and push your product, but the consumer loves it. So that works to our advantage in terms of the editorial landscape and working with editors and producers and influencers. We just had to get creative. Yeah. Um, you know, there was more zooming like in every other aspect of, of business life and COVID, but we did some other things where we would have editors and influencers send like close-up shots of their skin and we'd share those with like the formulators or the scientists or the dermatologists, whoever we were representing, and they would do an analysis and a product recommendation and then they'd have phone time. Right. So really it was about kind of trying to create the most intimate experience we could while being remote. Right. I also feel like the pandemic, while it sucked on so many levels, one of the upsides is that people being home, uh, whether in the industry or just the world in general, could multitask. And so it was very easy to kind of do your work while wearing a face mask. And it gave some of our contacts more opportunity to kind of play and try and mess around with product. And I think that worked to our advantage as well. Yeah. Cause I, I mean, I guess in the office or at least most offices, you're not sitting there with your eye patches on and no. you know, all this stuff. And now everyone's at home and they're on zoom and they're trying out face masks and eye patches and beauty tools and things while they're just sitting there at their desk. So you're right. I didn't, I didn't think about it in that aspect, but that's, that's actually such an upside for us during that time. But what's your personal favorite part about beauty PR? Because beauty is such a wide spectrum of things. So what's your favorite part in terms of PR? I mean, easy, the easiest answer and everyone's answer is access to product. You know, that's the upside. <laughs> the like, free stuff. <laughs> the free stuff, the, the trying it. And then we have access to experts that we would never get access to. I mean, we yeah, have some like super science, you know, dialed in um, wizards that kind of, and, and for me as someone who's, you know, over 40, um, that's very appealing. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. It looks great. Um, but that, that has been super appealing, you know, that, um, that personal access and product access in terms of um, kind of the industry and the space and PR in general, I think there's so much creativity. There's so much evolution and newness. And I don't know that All you can see that across every category. I mean, whether it's product innovation, whether it's talent and makeup artists, you know, creating art, uh, you know, using the face or body as a canvas. Um, 
I think that 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 makes it really exciting. And and I mean, it's just it's it's, uh, you know, I guess certain people would not appreciate this, but there's parts of beauty that are as like full throttle focused on advancement as as tech. Yeah. Totally. I don't, I feel like you don't necessarily see that in the same way in fashion. There's a creative evolution, but it's, it's not necessarily that people are like recreating the wheel or the fabrics. And I feel like with beauty that's, that's happening. So. Right. And in terms of PR for people who don't know, it's such a quick moving game. I mean, new news is old news in 48 hours for things in general. So with the beauty industry moving so quickly and always so popping on social media and pop culture and all the things in terms of your PR, how quickly is new news, old news? New news, uh, is old news. Um, like in an hour. <laughs> yeah. Like it's already old news. It's done. It's so I, I would say that our strategy though, in general is when we work with a a brand or a client, we kind of break it out into those evergreen pitches that we can be pushing consistently. And then those things that are time specific, specific or time sensitive launches, product trends, you know, something going viral, a sold out product. One thing that we constantly are doing, and I'm sure most people in PR and beauty PR are doing is iterating on a story idea or a pitch angle. And so when it gets old, we kind of try and turn it, turn it on its head for, um, a different look, a different take. Right. Uh, and we've had a lot of success doing that. So, um, it does make it super competitive and it's super challenging, you know, and it can make it, you know, sometimes it's hard for clients to understand how challenging it is, but, you know, we do our best to manage expectations and to deliver on results. Right. So true. So true. And in terms of like, pitching in advance, for example, like Christmas is coming up. How long have you already been pitching Christmas beauty? Because that goes so quick too. I mean, we've been pitching since June. I was going to say holiday gift guides, stocking stuffers, all of it, like middle of the summer. And the crazy part is, is back in the day, a million years ago, you'd start in the summer and you would be focused on print. And now as print has become sort of a tertiary medium, you don't, you're not sweating it as much. Right. We still pitch for print, but you're pitching right up until, you know, Christmas day because the digital landscape is constantly updating and posting new content. So it's, it's like almost Christmas year round, essentially. (laughs) That's so true. That's so funny. Well, what is the most important thing you've learned about PR through beauty? Has beauty taught you anything about PR that maybe you didn't really realize happens with other categories? Um, I think that the beauty landscape is really open-minded. And I, you know, you could say that of other areas, but I feel like beauty has been like, a leader in terms of sort of inclusivity and diversity and doing it without a lot of double takes, just sort of rolling with it. And I feel like last year, yeah, it's amazing. It's a wonderful and amazing. And I'm a huge proponent of it. And I almost, I feel like, I feel that, that I don't know if it's the, the actual editors and peoples and producers and influencers that are driving that, but I, I just feel like it's, it's, one of the first places to see that kind of evolution. And so I don't know what it's taught me. It's given me a a deeper appreciation, I guess. Um, That works. That works. 
That's awesome. And how about vice versa? Has maybe PR taught you anything about beauty that you didn't know before? Because you kind of came from the beauty world into the PR world. So is there anything working in PR that you're like, oh, wait. I mean, I think that that being on the PR side of beauty, you do get to be kind of a step ahead of like the, the normal, the, the average consumer. Yes. And okay. I find that to be kind of a privileged position. You get to kind of learn about new things. And I see it all the time in my personal life when I'm like with my my friends who are who are like, you know, they're school teachers or lawyers or whatever they are. They're not necessarily in the same landscape I am. And I'm talking about things that they haven't heard of yet. And right. yeah. Sometimes I'm like, where am I? And then other times uh, <laughs> it makes me feel like I'm like cool and in the know. So that's so funny. Yeah, I just, love that. Oh gosh, I love that. Well, what are some of your current favorite products then? Uh, so I absolutely live and die by everything Perez. And I say that uh, not because they're my client, but because their product is amazing. They're overnight, like facials. I use all of it. I use the body, the, the shower gels, the, the cleansers, the lotions. Outside of that, outside of my own personal preference for all things Perez, I love La Neige, ne- I don't know. It's their LA. La Neige, yes, uh, I know. It's always like a, how do you oh my God. Oh, the lip sleeping mask. Is that what you're yeah. talking about? Yes, but I wear it all day, every yeah. day. I live for it. I love Hourglass Concealer. Yes. Um, you can use that uh, as a full coverage foundation, everyone. It works in a pinch. You need it, a foundation. It, oh my God. I was like, I, put it everywhere. I, it was like the key to me looking like, m- amazing if I do say so was there I was using a concealer that must have not have offered enough coverage because it wasn't doing a whole lot and then I slapped that on and I was like I look glorious and weirdly Clinique has a highlighting stick I can't remember the name of it but not a Clinique user regularly like I'm very turned by like flashy new like or super high end. I don't know why. Sounds like, very PR esque. Yeah. Yeah. It's Even like I'm you, easily sold. Yes. yes. I'm easily sold. But I, an influencer was using it. And so I bought it. And it's like the best cream highlighter. I think possibly for stick? like aging stick. It's a, it's a stick, but for, for, you know, I don't know. It just makes me look like dewy and youthful. I love it. Um, <laughs> And then I also, of course, use like Biologic, Recherche, Peep, you know, all of like the, mm-hmm. the tried and true. But that stuff's so good. Yeah, so I good. mean, but the the Carez like Greek yogurt cleansing. That whole is Greek yogurt sh- line. Oh, magic. Fire, right? It's so the good. best. The Especially best. if you're a dry skin type. Highly recommend anything in that line. Anything. It's so good. So yeah. Good. I'm obsessed. That's amazing. I love, I love Krez and she's actually coming on the podcast in a couple of weeks. So that'll be really exciting. Everybody. Oh, Letta? oh yeah. Oh my God. Like, a, like the, like, you know how there's the whole, like, you want to be a French woman after you talk to her, you want to be a Greek woman. <laughs> oh my God. Like, I want Greek style. You're going to get me to go to Mykonos. All, she's gorgeous. And she knows, she knows what she's doing because she looks 20 and she's not 20, but looks it. So I, as soon as we, as soon as I met her, I was like, I'm sticking to your product because you have figured it out. what you say because it works. Yeah. I love that. Well, for anyone who is maybe like a beauty influencer or a startup founder, or is kind of like entering the space, 
when would you recommend is a good time to start PR? Is that something people should be looking at before a launch, after a launch, maybe once the launch has been out for a little bit? How does that work in terms of your PR? Yeah, for sure. I, what I would say is on the brand side, you want to have your website built and you want to be about to launch, have had a soft launch, but you want product to be accessible. So usually what we say is within a month of launch, you want to kind of look at PR to kind of start pitching and building awareness so that when your site and product goes live, there's some press that will go live too. Um I don't think you're ever too small. You're too small if you don't have product available. If you're a brand and you're trying to sell, there's there's not a whole lot of point to getting press if you aren't driving people either to a website or to a place where they can purchase your item. As an influencer, the more partnerships um, and awareness you can create, the better off you are because it's ultimately going to grow your following. Right. My biggest piece of advice there, because we, we do work with influencers as well, that are looking to kind of uh, go from like the micro space to sort of the macro level influencer is, is do brand collaborations, do them for, for product until you have enough of a following to command payment. Um, but factor in and make sure that instead of that payment, if you can't demand actual dollars, you're getting visibility and uh, the awareness play on the your brand partners platforms that will impact your own social media platforms and grow your numbers. It's right. sort of a chicken or the egg strategy that has to be deployed. That makes so much sense. And what is like your take on beauty brands working with influencers? Do you think it's beneficial nowadays to do like the one and done post? Or do you think it's like we need that partnership of like long-term longevity, working with the brand, using the product and actually using it and trusting it, not just posting to post? What's your take with that? Yeah, I think it's, I think the brand ambassador play is super important. If it's authentic, if the partner loves the product and is going to do it justice, that's the best kind of collaboration you can have. You kind of sometimes have to do the one and dones to figure out who is going to be a good brand partner, who likes the product, who's going to do the work to make sure it resonates with their audience base. Um, and so, so I would say there is a, a need for a mix, but at, okay. at the end of the day, you know, a committed, devoted, loyal, you know, influencer that loves your product and is, is, is authentically singing its praises is invaluable. And brands absolutely need to work with influencers. It's just, it's as important as media. It's just, you have to be more thoughtful and curated. Whereas back in the day, it was like a massive, as many, you know, it was, it was I remember quantity that. almost over quality. And now it's a little bit more of a quality. Oh my gosh. I remember there was an influencer I would follow and she would just do any tiny little collab. She was like promoting lens cleaner. And I was like, come on, girl. Right. <laughs> lens have, have some standards. Yes. But I mean, funny. I go to influencer, I go to makeup artists. I go to okay. makeup artists uh, for product recommendations. I watch them put on makeup. I mean, I'm hooked on all things Natasha Denona, all oh, of her palettes. Every single palette. I own every palette. Oh my God. Um, wow. And it, yeah, I know it's not normal. And I don't, I don't even, <laughs> I'm not even in a place where I can do wild eye makeup anymore. Oh, it doesn't so work for funny. me, but, um, but it's from, it's from following makeup artists from following her, you know? So I think it's super mm. important. Totally. Social media has so much power nowadays too, especially with the yes. pandemic in the last year and the reels and the TikTok, And it's just, it's like so much, but it's also like, it's the world we live in now. So it's like, you better get on that train. Cause if you're not, 
you're behind. So you gotta yeah, you it. just have to do it in a way that it resonates with your audience and your brand. Right. And so maybe for someone who doesn't have a TikTok demographic, do you still recommend trying to use TikTok to hit a new demographic or would you? Yeah, to I, I totally think everyone has it. I mean, I'm 45 and I am on TikTok for work <laughs> and for personal reasons far too much. And I think it's, I think TikTok is now really the main platform and for everyone, the kind of content is a little bit more lighthearted. And yeah, so that's, sure. that's different. You know, if you're making, I don't know if you're making a, a, a weightier product, you know, or a more, I don't know. I don't, you might want to, you might have to be more selective in your TikTok strategy, but I almost can't think of a brand. I wouldn't say, um, should, should be looking at TikTok for potential, uh, strategy and, and visibility. Yeah. I feel like TikTok is definitely the more like casual fun side of things where Instagram was a little bit more like educational masterclass almost. Completely. But you're so right. Because I remember like five years ago being like brand or maybe six years ago, brands asking us and me being like, TikTok is for 13 year olds. Yeah. That was me. Like last summer, I was like, I'm not getting one. I'm not doing it. I'm too old for that. And now I just sit here all day and I'm like, oh my God, my for you page is full of (laughs) so bad. Right. Uh, It's, it's total. It's like guilty pleasure. Last night I was trying to read a book, like, like (laughs) educate my brain. And I was like, I'm just, I'm just going to take a break. I'm just going to watch three. And then you're there for like four hours and you're like, it's kind of the best and the worst. Yeah. Well, you do learn a lot on there. I've learned a lot about things. things. Uh, I've learned I cannot uh, easily do choreographed dance routines. That's what yeah. I've learned from TikTok. <laughs> That's what I've learned about TikTok. Yeah. Uh, I love it. That's so funny. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I feel like I learned so much about beauty in relation to PR and I work a little bit in PR. So it's always nice to kind of cross paths in those directions, but where can people connect with you personally and where can they connect with LaRue PR? Uh, so, I mean, our, our Instagram is a great place uh, for all things LaRue PR. We're, we're fairly active. For me, I'm on LinkedIn a lot. And certainly if you go to our website, there's a hi at LaRuePR.com email. And that's a great way. It, it filters through my team, but ultimately will get to me if it's for me. And that's a great way to, to reach out to me as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was lovely. Of course. Thanks for tuning in to the Blondie Beauty Podcast. Like what you hear? Don't forget to rate and subscribe for new episodes every week featuring the latest beauty news. Stay glossy until next time. Mwah.